Hello and welcome to the Potters Podcast. The season's finished but we're going to carry on. It's now the end of the season awards for the Potters Podcast. We've got special guests coming up as well. How are we? Glad the season's done. You've no. got it done, you're finished now. Is well, that it? Yeah, the thing is, you've not been able to get into it properly anyway, have you really, when we can't go? I know it's been a long year and a bit, hasn't it now? Obviously now you're saying we're allowed back in. It's a fresh start and it next season. Well, it has. It's officially come out now by the FA that we can have his season tickets and the fans should be back by the end of next season. So hopefully next season we can push and maybe be a good side and we'll go through that. But first we're going to have to introduce his guest. So now we introduce a special guest. Hello, Ange. How are you doing Hi. today? You are. Right? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I, good. I'm just glad the season's over. I mean, it's been a tale of two hours, hasn't it, this season? It's been... You know, before Christmas, we were thinking, you know, we're going to be playing Man United the next season, and it went from that to maybe, are we going to be playing Vale in a couple of years? It's it's a bit up and down, isn't it? So, I mean, how's your assessment have been of the season that's just gone? Well, I mean, like everybody else, the first half was great, and you start thinking, you know, we can get in the playoffs at least, and if we get in the playoffs, then it's a lottery, and maybe we could do it, and then the wheels fell off. It was just awful, the second half of the season. Looked at the injuries we had, I don't think we could ever probably have another season as bad in terms of critical players, players that, you know, you build your team around, disappearing. And and I don't think that any team, if they'd have lost what was in effect the main striker in Tyrese Campbell, I don't think any team would have got through it unscathed. Um, and we, we're not great on strikers, so that was a really big blow. And then you lose other players as well, Collins, Suter gets injured. You, you can just go on and on. You can talk about goalkeepers. I don't know another club that had all goalkeepers injured in one season. But the benefit of that one was obviously Joe Bursick came and proved that he's a, a future Stoke keeper full-time in, in the waiting. So there were good things. There were the youth system players came through. Suter and Collins came through then you look at Norton coming through and you just you just hope for the future that these players might be the way forward but certainly Stoke have got a big rebuilding job to do in the summer So would you say that the biggest fault that's happened this season has been injuries or I mean what would you what would you say about the January window do you reckon we got everything we sort of needed in that window where we could have pushed and carried on marching Well people disappointed that we didn't go for a striker and I would have loved a striker but then I'd ask the question of who would you have got who would have come to Stoke and who would come when you can't pay the money that we were paying in the past there's no doubt in my opinion that some of the players on the books at Stoke at the moment um, those players that we aren't getting rid of who aren't playing for the first team have uh, set the club back years now that's not their fault um, they sign contracts and there isn't anybody listening to this podcast if somebody was offering them X thousands of pounds of money to, to basically do nothing and go and play somewhere else and still get paid, they, they wouldn't accept that. They've signed a contract and unfortunately recruitment's been dreadful from two previous managers, possibly three previous managers, and the owners have wasted millions of pounds. I mean, if you look at, you can go back and you can look at Gary Rowe at 56 well, almost 58 million in one transfer window on players that aren't even at the club now. So uh, you look at the way going forward and you look again into the question you asked me about the January transfer window. I can't think of any player that, um, other than a gamble from the first to second division that would have perhaps made Stoke any better. 
and then you've got financial fair play. It doesn't matter how rich our owners are, we've got financial fair play to look at. Um, and that had to be factored in too. And now this summer, why I said this summer is going to be really important, is you're going to have probably 11 or 12 of those 13 players come back. Maybe Bruno Martins Indy will go, maybe um, Lindsay will go. So there's two players and the rest you're going to have coming back. And Michael O'Neill's already joked he might have to have an extension built at Clayton Wood. But it is a major problem and that major problem is going to last for another couple of years. So whatever Stoke do in this in this next transfer window and the one after, it will be um, prudent financially and it will also be trying to get rid of some of the high earners off the wage bill. I mean, there's already talk of Sam Klukas going a year before his contract ends um, on a free, and it's probably just to get him off the wage bill. Then you've got Joe Allen, similarly, he was on massive wages. So if they get any decent players in, it will be players from uh, the championship or uh, overseas loans, I think, this summer. Obviously, when it comes down to the transfer window, there's obviously big problems of financial fair play. To be honest, with a lot of these players that were coming in, uh, that are coming back, obviously, from loans, you know, some of these, I think, are on the last deals or near enough the last deals. Wouldn't you think it'd be better financially that Stoke don't make many signings whatsoever and just try their damned hardest to just get rid of them, pay them up and get rid? Would you think it would be easier to do that or just keep loading them out the well, way the if, system if they, uh, Well, they can't just pay them up and get rid, otherwise there'll be a financial fair play pen penalty. If they continue to loan them out, and then you've got depreciation factor that sets in, which you can offset against financial fair play. If another club's paying their wages, uh, it, it's much better than just paying them up and, and going. So, um you know, I've, I've no doubt that Stoke will do whatever is best in terms of the financial fair play. The best thing possible would be, there's been talk about it being scrapped, but hand on heart I can't see it being scrapped because uh, those clubs that don't want it scrapped are the ones that don't have rich owners, so they'll see it as dragging us down to a, a similar playing field to them. I mean, to me it's quite ironic where you've got owners that will quite happily throw money at the managers to spend um, they can't do it. Yet in the Premier League, everybody seems to be able to, to spend beyond their means. But we are where we are, and I'm sure that Michael O'Neill knew the situation when he came into the club. And I do actually think he'll, he'll sort it out. But those people that are expecting fast, free-flowing, attacking football all the way through next season, it isn't going to happen with the squad we've got. You've got to play to your strengths. And our strengths have, have uh, normally been the fact that we've conceded few goals this last season. Yeah, we've had a few matches where it's gone completely awry and a wall, and we've let in several goals, but um, we need to stop letting goals in because we haven't got enough goal scorers. And if Tyrese Campbell isn't ready for the start of the season, then people will start getting jittery again because Fletcher's not as young as he was, obviously, and is struggling with injuries. There's talk about Powell... Uh, maybe going elsewhere and let's be honest if you were a club going into the Premier League or, or um, a club with ambition you would look at Nick Powell he's been absolutely outstanding for Stoke and this is a player that uh, didn't quite make it at Man United for whatever reason and without doubt he's the most talented player we've got on our books I would say in, in the forward department and without him um, I do wonder where our creativity is coming from 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, financial fair play is something I don't agree with because, in my personal opinion, it keeps the rich teams rich, the medium medium, and the poor teams poor. It just means people can't come in and invest. It's like, you know, an owner can come in and go, well, I want to spend £70 million of my own money. And you're like, no, you can't do that, that isn't fair. But clubs who win, I don't know, £800, million, pound in shirt sales and all that lot, but still get the same money or even slightly more than the teams who are in the bottom half of the Premier League and all that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's just a system that keeps the rich up there and middle down there. And I think it is a, a system that does kill football rather than saves it. Because since financial fair play has come in, Mac have gone, Berry have gone, uh, Bolton nearly went. It, it, it's obviously in a working. No. No, it isn't, and, and as I've said, the, the big frustration for the, the coach family will be that nobody can ever accuse them of not being generous in terms of allowing a decent transfer budget, and, and unfortunately, um, we're, we're missing out a little bit, because there's two reasons, you know, we, we've had managers that have come in that have, every manager that comes to Stoke says that they get well treated by the club and they can spend within reason what they want. Now... Michael O'Neill's come in and he's got the benefit of, um, dare I say the technical terms, a load of lumber that two other managers have bought. Um, and he has to make the best of that, plus 13 players that we don't want, and more importantly, don't appear to want to be at Stoke. Um, and, and I think if, if, if you take away the fact that we all are mad keen Stoke fans and you take the blinkers off... Um, we, we know that there are some players at this football club who, they haven't just become bad players overnight. I mean, I, I, I simply don't believe that some of the players that have gone out on loan haven't become bad players overnight. It just, they don't suit the system we play in or the manager that's since come in uh, doesn't want them in his system because he doesn't play the way that suits them. So until, as I said, until that's sorted out and until um, we get two more two more years I would say well we've got another year at least of, of some of the players we've got I don't think we're going to see any major improvements however if we could just get a couple of signings in um, we know we need more creativity we know we need some speed on the wings and we need another striker if we could get those players in then I think we could have a really good season next season but there's fans in next season and I've no doubt that some of the matches that we saw particularly in the second half of the season which to me were horrible to watch um if if you see those live with fans then stoke fans aren't very forgiving and there will be um a lot of booing and a lot of discontentment and and there's only one thing that happens if you get that amount of discontentment at stoke and that is uh, there's normally a full guy and i hope michael o'neill uh, lasts the course because i do think He's the man that will be pragmatic enough to turn this club around. We need consistency and we need some somebody to consolidate. Uh, and just three years of getting back to where we were before, because the last two years of uh, management before before O'Neill came in were, were not great. And the club's suffering, the fans are suffering, um, and the quality of football is suffering because of some ludicrous recruitment. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is with recruitment, and we've, we've been saying it now for many a year, it's, it's not just been one or two seasons, we've been talking about recruitment now for about five, six years, and to be honest, I mean, who do you reckon is fully to blame 
with the bad mistakes that have been going on for such a long time. Because, like I say, it hasn't been two years. It isn't just Gary Rowett that people pin it on. It seems to be a lot of managers are getting signings wrong and trying to figure out the biggest problem of who's really at fault at this. Is it a lack of operation in the top ends where they don't bring the right people in who, who have got a modern way of signing players? Or is it the fact that it is just like a list of four and he has to pick one of that four? What, what do you reckon the major problem is that needs to be fixed in the next couple of years for us to thrive? Like, for example, a Leicester City or even a Leeds or or Barnsley I mean this season I think they've spent what was it 800 grand and they've gone from a team that should really have gone down to a team that for me I've got a feeling they'll be playing Premier League football next season uh, on the Barnsley thing I, I mean they'll be pinching themselves because as you said they should have gone down and they haven't um, I don't actually think Barnsley will, will get promoted but um, it'll be interesting to see how they how they play next season Um we talk about recruitment from Stoke and there's there's no getting around it that some of the recruitment's been dreadful. Having said that, um, everybody will look back at people like Mark Cartwright and say, a lot of people say he was the problem. That same bloke that people are saying are the problem, I'm not defending him, he was responsible for Tyrese Campbell coming to the club. He was responsible for Stoke signing Jack Butland. He was responsible for several other decent goalkeeping deals we did. Um, you, you look at the players like Harry Sitter and you look at Nathan Collins not all the players that Stoke have brought along have been bad unfortunately the bad ones have been horrendous and have cost an arm and a leg that's been the problem and most of that has happened as a result of 10 years in the Premier League wanting to pay the wages that were then the going rate and not thinking mm, we ain't going to go straight back up um, and you look at Leicester and you look at their recruitment and it's hard to think, yesterday we were laughing, you shouldn't laugh really, but it's hard to think that we relegated them. Yeah, no, We yeah, relegated yeah. them, they then came back up and we were playing them in the, prem, in the, in the Premier League and struggling against them before we went down. Um, and they had, they had the togetherness yesterday and the last couple of years that Stoke used to have um, when when the, the capped one was manager. Whatever you thought about his style of football, the fans, the club were all together. And um, that's not the same now. It might be coming back, but we went through a spell where um, because a couple of managers stayed too long, because recruitment wasn't great, and all the fans knew the writing was on the wall, everybody knew we were going to go down um, because of how bad we played for there'd been a regression a couple of seasons before Michael O'Neill came in and stopped the rot and I actually think okay we've not progressed at more than one place up the league but uh, clean sheets um, looking a better defensive unit uh, that's been great and the one thing I feel that we've lacked more than most football clubs this season is the fans in the ground because the fans in the ground some of those nil-nils that Stoke had those fans would have got the players over the ground. Some of those defeats they had, when they had horrendous decisions, the fans would have helped for those decisions not to matter as much. I have no doubt that most of the clubs, people like Stoke, Stoke supporters, with the fans, everybody said it's a hard place to come to. Well, it's not hard behind closed doors when there's nobody there. Yeah, it's so I, I think that, apart from going on about the recruitment as you've done, it's been horrendous. But now they've changed it. Um, there's obviously not going to be much money spent. 
And uh, Michael O'Neill is going to have to work within the financial constraints of FFP and knowing that we've got to get players out before we get any in. And I think Joe Allen may well go too this time because you look at the big earners and, and they're reportedly on around £40,000, £50,000. Who knows? You look at those big, and maybe more for some of them. You look at those big earners. If you can get three of them off the books, um, then that gives you more room to manoeuvre to bring players in. But he will know what he wants, and, and the recruitment won't be going on now. It will have gone on before now. No, nobody waits for the transfer window to start to, to get the players in they want. And he'll know that we need some speedy players, we need another goal scorer, we need a creative midfielder, and possibly one more defender. Who's going to come to Stoke? Not on the money that we used to pay. It's not the most attractive club to come to anymore. So you're going to be looking at players that really fit the mould that Michael O'Neill wants. And that mould is his his mould, and it's not the one that will include some of those uh, 11, 13 players that we had out on loan. I see people are saying, let's get Peter Etebo back and, and turn him into a great midfielder. I think Peter Etebo's burnt his bridges at Stoke. I think one or two of the others have burnt their bridges at Stoke. Benny Kofobi, for whatever reason before he had the terrible misfortune of losing a child, it wasn't working at Stoke. So why why is it going to work when they come back? You know, Ryan Woods, it's not worked at Stoke. Nobody's saying he's not a decent player, but he's not the sort of player that it's going to work for at Stoke City. So we want some hard-working players who, who want to wear the shirts, who um, feel that this club is going places. And the one thing that I find the most interesting is when you hear people like, Stephen Fletcher talking um, a died in the war professional who's been around the block a few times and actually has been a far better player for Stoke than I expected he has said that Michael O'Neill is building something special at this football club and he wants to be a part of it you don't hear too many 34 year old 35 year old players saying that somebody's building something special at a football club if they're not sure he is because he's been around the block as I say so Things like that impress me uh, when former professionals or good professionals uh, who are still playing at the club realise that the, the, the club's on the way back. And, and I do think the club's on the way back. Will Stoke get up this next season? I genuinely hope so. Will they get to the playoffs? I think it will be awful if we don't. So um, me looking forward, I do think we'll be in the playoffs next season. But then I've always thought that Stoke will win everything in the close season it's just when reality bites in and you've lost the first couple of matches that things change but I, I just hope that they they um, have two halves of the season like the first half last season Do you think Ange that we're going to lose maybe a couple of the younger players because obviously they've done so well for us this season um, obviously some of the bigger clubs have had a look at Collins and Suter and for me I think they're our future at the moment I don't believe half the things I read um, about players because I believe half of, them, half of it's generated by their own managers and people that are trying to hawk them around to make money for themselves. Do I think that if uh, somebody made a great bid for one of our youngsters, they would go? Yes, I do. Um, but I only think one of them would go. I think Stoke aren't stupid and I think they would only sell one of them. They don't need to sell any of them. So, um, you know, the owners will not put any conditions on players being sold. It's whether the manager and the CEO feel that 
the, the money that they would get for one of those players, A, is too good a deal to turn down, and B, if they could reinvest that money better for the club. So if somebody came along with uh, X amount of millions for Suter or Collins, because those are the two players that you're probably thinking of, and you know what? I wouldn't put it across somebody to come and make a bid for Bursic. But if, if you look at two of those three players, then I would think, yes, if somebody offered a, a stupid amount of money for one of them, yeah, they would go. But only if the club knew for certain they could replace that player and do more with the money. Um, and I think that is the situation. If Michael O'Neill feels that say somebody, let's say there was 10 million, and I'm not saying that there is, or, or it would be more. Let's say somebody offered 10 million, the player wanted to go, Stoke knew they could get better value for that for that money than I think a player would go. Every player has its price. You know, I mean, Tyrese Campbell, if he comes back in the form he was in before, then you'd be looking at somebody making a bid for him in January, because uh, that's what people do, and then it's up to the club and the player. So you're never, ever going to be certain of keeping your own good players. There's no need to sell. Stoke would say there's no need to sell. Uh, if it were me, I would say, yes, one of them might go. I'd be very disappointed, and I do think they're the future of the club. Absolutely. I, you don't sell the spine of your club. But um, it's the world we live in now, and if, if Stoke feel it's the best thing to do, then Stoke will do it. I, I've no doubt that the Michael O'Neill won't do anything that he doesn't feel benefits his team. You know why? Because he lives and dies by results. And if you sell your best player and you, you don't do as well as you should have, then there's only one place you're going, and that's out of Stoke. And um, whilst everybody needs stability, they, he's got to get results, and he'll know that. Which player do you think, though, that could be the one that possibly went? If I, if I was uh, looking at any of, of the Stoke youngsters now, I would say the one that will probably go is uh, Nathan Collins. But I, that's just me. I, I think there would be more people after him. And I don't think it would be in Manchester United because I don't think they would, um, they would look at a, an English domestic championship player now um, because they just don't work in that market anymore. Um, I think he, he would be a good buy for somebody. I don't think Harry Suter will go. Um, I think Harry Suter's a great player too, by the way. I don't want either of them to go, but that, I would think Collins is the two of them. Well, there's a guarantee he's not going to go Burnley because as soon as he has a look at the place, he'll go no one better off the stage. <laughs> well, the other thing is Burnley wouldn't, uh, wouldn't pay the money that Stoke are uh, probably going to ask. And I have to say that if we do any more deals with Burnley, I would prefer us not to um, bother because they've been very astute with the dealings with Stoke in recent time and I just don't think we should deal with them anymore because we've got enough furniture yeah we have especially with a uh, super sandbox I mean <laughs> but you've got to give praise to Stoke a little bit in the fact that everybody who's walked through the academy and played this season yeah. has done really well we've sp spent the last three years moaning about every signing that's walked through the door mm. and every young lad who's come through and played have done really well and to me I'd more prefer go down that model from now on yeah, until we get rid of these, model, yeah. these players that are on big wages. Well, I, I personally believe like the Norwich way of thinking is possibly the best way for a club like Stoke to think about it until we could possibly maybe, you know, establish in the Premier League with using his own academy players because I don't trust our board to spend money. And I, and I know people might look at me and go, well, you've got no faith, but they spent £18 million on Kevin Vimmy. 
They bought Vokes for seven and a half million. I don't trust them with money. Yeah. He bought Vokes and gave him Peter Crouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's it, more goals. <laughs> Well, um, mind blowing, really. Uh, I I think that the the it's nice that the academy is now bearing fruit, and I mean some of the players that are, are looked upon as academy players, Tyrese Campbell didn't come through our academy. Um, you know, you've got Christian Norton who didn't come through our academy. But having said that, we've got some really good up and coming players, and not just the under twenty threes, the under eighteens and beyond. Stoke have got some really good players for the future. But you, Michael O'Neill, you've heard me ask him numerous times if they're ready, and he doesn't think they're ready. And uh, when you look at what happened with Harry Souter, and he went out to Fleetwood and has come back an incredibly far, far better player. Nathan Collins hasn't had to go anywhere. Uh, he, ma- he managed without him. It, I it think it's inevitable that the likes of Varian uh, and Norton and one or two others may, may, may go out on loan this next season. Um, the one player that's been out on loan that nobody's talking about really is Lasse Sorensen um, and I don't know whether he's played enough um, on his loan spell to at uh, Milton Keynes Dons to, to see if um, if he is actually going to make the grade at Stoke I, d- I don't know because I don't think he's been in the team enough but certainly it's worked and it's, it's a well known route for players to get better but look I'm sure that Stoke will want more of the homegrown players in the team because it saves your fortune and it, these players aren't free they do cost the academy costs a lot to run but but the club are doing well now at, at that level and um, some of our own former players are in the academies working I mean Liam Lawrence is working there you know Gareth's in charge of the academy and then you've got Johnny Walters who's done some work there and that's the thing that I think most Stoke fans like it's the fact that the DNA of the football club when it was successful in the Premier League and everything that it stood for, you know, hard work, playing for the shirt, giving 100%, seems to be rubbing off on, on the younger players who, as you've said, they want to come in, they want to play for the shirt and they aren't just coming to pick up the wages um, and, and they don't care whether they play or not. You've mentioned Kevin Wimmer. Um, I think... You shouldn't sorry. have done. You shouldn't have mentioned him. Well, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm going to say this. <laughs> nobody, nobody made Stoke give him the contract he got. No, no. Them give Morris Bauer uh, an extension and give him the money that they was on. Nobody forced them to do that. They did it themselves. Mm. I will never understand why that some of those deals were done, but they were. And you can't blame the players. I mean, they must be rubbing their hands every day. Oh, I know, yeah. You know, know, the the Tom Inces of this world, you could just go through the whole lot of them. And and you think, wow, you know, what were we on when we gave these people this money? Those days are over now. It's not going to happen. I mean, John Obi McKell apparently is on on very little money compared to what he used to get. And... um, so, so things have changed. Things have changed at Stoke, and I, I'm sure that the contracts will will continue to to change until they get this stability and and back on a on a level financial footing. Because whatever people think, you know, Stoke are walking an FFP financial tightrope at the moment. Um, and I see that Derby haven't exactly got away with it yet. That looks like, yeah, they lost their appeal about the ground, etc. Yeah. But they could get another reduction of points. And then you look at Sheffield Wednesday, you were talking about teams that 
struggle. Barnsley stayed up, we know, because of Wigan. Sheffield Wednesday effectively only went down because of the points deduction. So we are not out of the woods yet in terms of there is always a possibility that Stoke could be hit by the financial fair play points deduction. And they will do everything possible to make sure that that doesn't happen. So it's going to be very interesting times in terms of how uh, Stoke manage the finances and get players in and out this summer. But as, as regards Kevin Wimmer, as much as um, I don't think he was the best buy we ever made, you can't blame him for signing the contract and you can't blame him for doing what most of the players would do, which is basically, oh, well, if I'm not going to get something better elsewhere, I'll just sit and I just think I've got a feeling a lot of this is down to agents though and I know we can all sit here and go you know we can't blame the player for signing the contract and you can't really but what I can blame them for is that they know they've got literally no future at the club they're going on death loans all the time where they're not really playing or playing at a level that's surrendered. I mean, Vimmer now, well, last season, he's obviously going to be back soon. Vimmer was playing a, a struggling Bundesliga 2 side. And before he came Stoke, he was an established international for Austria. Like, Bauer was a, the same. And it, for me, what I find unforgivable is that they're willing to take this money and lose their own career. So, you know, when they look back and go, yeah, son, I played for Stoke on 80 grand a week, you go, did you? Well, I played 18 times and had a loan spell here, did, 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 and ended up at Crew. You know, <laughs> you're not going to... Yeah, no, I know. I, listen, I've played professional sport and um, I, I would always want to play, but clearly it's a different era now. And if you've got an agent, uh, I mean, like Peter Etterbo, his age, he was a perfectly happy player at this football club and um, was doing his best, and then we signed Badu and Dai, right? Yeah. Same yeah. agents, and all of a sudden, Stoke don't look like they're doing very well. They aren't gonna, they are gonna get relegated, or they're not gonna stay in the Premier League, and um, they're not gonna get up from the Championship. And suddenly, the agent says to them, "You can do better," and they become unhappy, and they want to leave. And agents are a lot to do with it, and agents do do things. They've got to make money too. They, they, they're in the business of making their 5, 10, 15%. So they'll do whatever they can. They don't care about Stoke. You know, there's very few agents that, that care about this about Stoke City Football Club. I mean, there's a very well-known local agent, um, Beswick Sports, who's a mad keen Stoke fan. And, and, and I know personally on occasions he's done a deal which probably wasn't as good for the person that he, he had because he wanted them to join Stoke. You won't get agents like that. You won't get many agents like that who, who will do deals for their own football club. They're out to make money um, and, and to make money any way they can. And unfortunately, um, they must have seen Stoke as the, uh, well, the, the club that keeps giving because some of the deals that we've done have just been, well, they've defy belief don't they they oh, absolutely yeah. defy belief yeah. and if I was you know people talk about the Coates family and they should do this and they should do that I, if that were my money that has been effectively uh, weed up the wall um, I wouldn't be very happy and I'm not so sure that I'd be saying just go and buy who you want to the manager but they do and that's one thing that you've got to commend them for they allow the managers to buy the players that they want from my perspective um, I think that there's uh, something that needed to change at the club, and it looks like it's changing now, is that all the all the club teams from 
under seven right the way through to the first team should play the similar way and they should have um, the same ethos throughout the club so that if a player gets into the first team from the under 23s or or the academy squad or whatever you want to call it they know exactly what's expected of them because the club plays the same way that's starting to happen now and it's bearing fruit rather than in the past where a manager's liked a player another manager's wanted this player with flair I mean it just didn't work you you go back to the Premier League days when we were struggling the last season and we had a man called Hefe who seemed to be you know you picked Hefe (laughs) Super Mountain wasn't a bad player he just didn't want to be bothered getting his uh, sleeves rolled up and doing much for Stoke. You've yeah, seen these scores yeah. in other leagues, right? Yeah. You, you can have one or two luxury players, possibly one. Everybody moaned about Shakiri. Without Shakiri's goals the last season of the Premier League, we'd have been dead and buried before we were. Mm. But you can't... Stoke are now past that stage of having luxury players who can just stand and roam around and score the odd goal. Stoke have have 11 grafters or more who put the work in to get us out of what is quite frankly the most difficult league when we went into the championship and everybody said oh I don't mind being in it because we'll win a lot more than we'll lose and I'd rather not be in the championship you wouldn't know whether you're going to win from one week to the next Mm. it's a horrendous league yeah I don't like the championship like literally from the day one we jumped into it I thought a, I didn't know who the teams were anymore because it's been so long. B, yeah. I didn't know any of the players in it. I didn't know who was good and who wasn't. You in in the problems with Gary Rowers because I could, I understood. I like the thing is I I dis dislike him that he had all that money, but it wasn't his fault he was given all that money. But the no. thing is that he tried to stop a three-year rot. Rowett did, and he he didn't look pretty, and it was he wasn't good to watch. But you could see that for me with Rowett, if I think he had longer time, I do believe he might have got us up quicker. But because people were just just were so expecting to us rip everybody apart and go up, and and I knew from the first game against Leeds that we were going to struggle in this league because we got absolutely battered, battered. absolutely yeah. battered. And I yeah. thought to myself, we're going to struggle in this league. To be honest, though, with with a lot of stuff that's gone on, I mean, at the end of the day. What the Stoke board did was a massive mistake. They put all their eggs in one basket with Gary Rowett and gave him all the money we had. And we're paying the price for it now. There's there's no getting round it that we can sit there and go, oh, well, these are the faults. I mean, we paid, I think we had it all in all with the wages and the buying. It was £180 million Stoke spent in the first season. Yeah. Or something around that. And Swansea made a profit of £2 million and still nearly went up, got to the semi-final of the playoffs, which shows you that sometimes having a, a, a sensible head on your shoulders when it comes down to being in the board level and the CEO level, instead of just panicking and going, he'll do, he'll do. It's, it's like you need, you need to be sensible in these situations and Stoke weren't. And I'm sorry, the fans are going to have to be the burden of that mistake. And to be honest, I don't know how the man is in, in that job. We, we, I think many people have spoke about it. We don't know how that man is still in the job. Obviously, don't keep mentioning his name because I'm sick of saying his name now. I think he, the people are talking about? Hey, Tony Scholes. <laughs> <laughs> you should know, Andy. You clearly don't listen to the pod, do you? <laughs> I just wanted to hear you mention his name. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he, for me, I don't know how the man's still in the job. The mistakes that have been made, and it's not just once or twice, it's repeat mistakes. We could all sit here and go, you know, he's done this, he's done that. 
backing the managers for me in a modern era I just don't think it works anymore because players aren't the same anymore they aren't players of the 90s they aren't players of the 80s where you can look at a player oh he's done a job there before because mentality comes into it There's, the game's quicker the the other teams have, have got better quality now because there's more money available around the championship compared to back in the day you know back in the 60s I think if someone spent 100 grand it was on it was on 10 o'clock news back in then I think they were dwelling too much on the past to be we, well, well it didn't like actually happen though know, but it? like I'm saying about the financial fair play if we struggle next year and it's because we're living on that tightrope I'd take a struggle next year just so we didn't end up with a points deduction you might have to write right. off next year as well yeah, I'm not expecting promotion yeah. for next year. I couldn't care less if, if we barely spent a penny, but we finished 15th and we just got past all the, the financial worries. Well, for me, getting past the financial worries are the main thing, but for me, it's getting rid of these players who are on more money than our star players now. Yeah. That's what really picks me off, that we've got a player like Vimy who's on 40-odd grand a week, but then the best defender at the club, Harry Suit, was on 25 grand a week. Because yeah. it'll affect the players. It might not you know they might not make it out but if you notice whenever January windows come along in, in near the start of the season our Stoke players don't seem to be up for it and I know why because they're sitting watching a, a big fat bloke eating pies on the corner <laughs> earning 45 grand a week and he's going wait there I'm the best defender here and I'm only on 25 he's on double my wages and it will have a, a, not, a, not a main effect because they understand the situation but they'll still think why is that man on more money than that's me that's why salary caps when Tony was in charge made sense yeah at yeah. the club of Stoke size yeah there's a couple of there's a couple of things sorry there's a couple of things there um, far be it from me ever to defend the chief executive of the football club he'll be one of the happiest people alive when I'm no longer on the supporters council <laughs> having said that <laughs> right Wait having said on. that the owners of the football club must rate him. There is no way that these multi-million billionaires, sorry, these billionaires don't know how to run a business. Why he's in control of the football club as the chief executive is because they rate him. Right? And, and they know the day-to-day business of the football club far better than us. So whilst I'm not saying I'm a, his biggest fan, the, the owners rate him and um, the owners have the best interests of the football club at heart and they don't want to lose money. So that's all I'm saying about that. It's, it's a conundrum to me. Because, <laughs> that's what um, I, was, I was just going to ask you there. What do you think that is? <laughs> well, I don't know. And, and, I, and, and when, if I do find out, then I'll tell you. But, um, in, in terms of... Having an agreement on yes, I, I'd take fifteenth and, and get rid of all the dead wood. Twenty twenty two is going to be the year when we see some of these people are gone for good. Yeah, um, yeah that's and the lumber's gone. But I don't, you know, you everybody wanted because we had such a good first half of the season. Everybody thought that we might go up. I did. I I thought we'd get to the playoffs because yeah, of did, the first yeah. half of the yeah. season. Now it's unrealistic. You look back and it's unrealistic to have a team to go from being awful to get into into the playoffs. However, Barnsley have done that. Barnsley should have gone down and they've gotten the playoffs, so it can happen. Yeah. And I'm very optimistic that Stoke will have got better as a result of this season and will do better next season. They can't possibly have the same amount of bad injuries 
next season as they've had this season. Plus the fact that hopefully the world will be more back to normal and it won't have this um, mad glut of fixtures playing like three times in a week sometimes. You won't because obviously you've you've lost this uh, very short close season. Mm. Having said that, some of our players are going to go off and play in the European Championships and that could have an effect on them. They could get injured, they could be tired. I, I just felt some of our players were, you know, we kept saying they were running on the empty last season. I, I thought they looked mentally shot, but they weren't the only ones. Lots of football teams have that. Mm. I'm, I'm optimistic for the coming season. Um, I think they need a good start, like like every club needs a good start. And I do think if we have a good start, it'll be a pretty good season. I mean, you, you look at the season overall, and we got to the quarterfinals of the uh, of the League Cup, which helped, bring, which helped bring in some of those younger players. Um, we had a good first half of the season. We found we got a, another class goalkeeper. We the one thing that I find the most interesting of all the transfer dealings was the Angus Gunn one. Um, I know we needed a keeper, and and he was available at the time. But there's a reason why we took him on. Um, the extra season whether that was the only way we could have him or or whether there's another reason um, regarding finances that it, it suited us I've no idea but that to me is the one thing I find the most difficult about all the transfer dealings we've done um, since Michael O'Neill came along there's obviously some some benefit to the football club that they've taken him for the extra season uh, and I don't know what that is what do you think of that? What have they kept? Did Sally keep hold of Angus Gunn? No, he's talking again. Now it's just literally just come up. As well, say I'd have yeah. no interest in a million years so to keep hold of Angus Gunn because they've got promoted. So they're going to sign him. Looks like yeah, they could have him. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they're talking about it, but we'll have a look. Will it happen? Don't need him. I mean, to be honest, out the front, he's probably one of the most disappointing signings of the season actually behind Morgan Fox I didn't rate Morgan Fox but you, you know Angus Gunn when you, when you saw the young goalkeeper like Joe Beersett come in and make Angus Gunn look like a, you know a, a Sunday league goalkeeper it really does shine the problem up of sometimes the way you do business I mean if we keep hold of him and have to loan out Joe Beersett that could be a major cost because we could lose Beersett on a permanent deal yeah. and let's be honest I'd say another season he's our number one I'd say give Beersett the number one shirt next season and make him our first team goalkeeper because personally he's the future of the club well, he's going to want it as well and he's going to want play he's, a, he's a better goalkeeper than Angus Gunn as well he's been brilliant on loan at Peterborough he was brilliant in goal for us and I thought we went shaky when he came out yep. so if we keep hold of Angus Gunn for another season he, that, that, that just makes no sense to me personally well I mean that the deal's done unless somebody uh, there's a break clause but unless somebody wants to buy him uh, he's with us for next season that, can, that was the deal when we signed him can somebody stop Stoke signing players <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's the one deal that as I say there has to be some some reason that, that Stoke have done it that none of us know whether it's because we're not paying his wages which I doubt or, or whether it's something else, whether we could only get him if we did that deal and we needed a keeper, I don't know. But I, I, I think we're, um, I, I still think Davis is marginally better than Bursic at the moment. Um, 
and I would have the two of them uh, as the keepers next season. You certainly can't keep three keepers happy, so one of them's going to go out on loan, aren't they? Well, can we loan out Gunn? Gone if we sign him. Can we, can we loan out Gunn? <laughs> yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, that to me is the most strange deal, and I'm not a big Fox fan myself. And then, of course, there's somebody else that we've signed that... Um, uh, we don't know yet how good they're going to be and that's Alfie Doughty yeah I've, I've heard um, good things about because him because he had a bad injury a really bad injury um, hopefully he'll be fully fit and, it, and everybody was talking about him in glowing terms and we did that deal because he would have been a free agent at the end of the season and we probably wouldn't have Go been able there. to get him then uh, because of signing on fees and different deals that go on when somebody's free so Stoke took the Stoke took the risk on that. Mm. Um, good sign. I so, think that could be a good sign in that. Yeah, as so long as he's fit. I yeah. mean, you know that that's the thing. Uh, you just got to hope he's fit. You got to hope Tyrese Campbell comes back fit. You've got to hope that because his injury was a, a really really bad injury, and you just got to hope that he gets over it. People like Alan Shearer got over injuries, yeah, so yeah, let's yeah. just hope he does. He's, he's a, an intelligent lad. He wants to do well. He obviously thinks the world of Michael O'Neill because Michael O'Neill got him to stay. There is no doubt that he would have left if um, if Nathan Jones had still been the manager. He w- I mean, he was hardly playing with Nathan Jones as the manager. But there's another example of a player that um, came on at the start and, and didn't do as well. You know, when Campbell first started, everybody said he wasn't fit. He couldn't last more than 50 minutes. He went away on a bit of a loan. He came back. He, he, he was a much, much better player and he certainly is the best finisher at Stoke City Football Club. Um, and then you then you look at the other youngsters coming through, you've got Norton and Varian coming through. Uh, the future should be quite bright, but as I said earlier when we, we started the conversation, we can't possibly have another year of horrendous injuries like we've had this season. And I think the fans back will make a massive difference and um, I think we'll, uh, we st- we're on the way back. Yeah, we're we I think we are on the way back. In five years we might be close to getting in the Premier League. We're on its way back. Don't worry, we're all gonna be fine. Right, so now before we obviously end the podcast, we're gonna have a quick run through the season and everyone's one eight well, one to ten on the rating of the season so far. I'm gonna go in with a seven, because I think it was a tale of improvements from the Academy. Good players started to come through. I think we tailed off towards the end. I think to be honest, some of the signings were good stop gaps, but aren't going to go on to become anything long term. Obviously, players like John Obi McCall, players like Fletcher. But I am impressed with maybe the possibility of Doctor being a good player. And to be honest, I will give it a 7 out of 10, to be honest, for this season. I've seen enough improvement, especially with the academy players, that, you know, we have got a future that's going to be brighter than we saw last season at the end. Yeah, I'd sort of mirror that really. The kids have done really well this season. There's still a few people we need to get out, um, but it, it's still for me another one of them seasons where you, you're still sorting out the issues. Yeah. And and it's been a bright thing that the youth players have come in and done a really good job. So yeah. for me, it, I, I can't really sit here and say it's been a terrible season. If injuries hadn't have played the part, I think we'd have been a lot higher up the table as well. Yeah, well, I think we would have been ninth instead of. 11th was it as well whenever we finish uh, what about you Anne? well I think you're both overly optimistic and I'm going for a 6 um, and? if if we'd have gone on the first half of the season I'd have been taking an 8 but I thought the second half of the season was absolute murder I thought the style of play was horrible um, yes all, all to do with um, with the injuries etc 
Well, I, I thought we were we were poor second half of the season. So for me, it's a six, um, and. I'm just hoping that next season it's a 10. That's very optimistic, Andrew. <laughs> that went from being really well optimistic to really hard. I was going to say an 8 next season. That's what I was hoping for. Just slight improvement up from last time. Right, so now we'll give Michael O'Neill a rating. I like things of Michael O'Neill, but I don't as well at the same time. I'm going to go middle of the road with Michael O'Neill on this season. I don't understand his tactics at times. I don't understand what... He, why he dropped what worked so well second half of the season dropped it for this five at the back when we have not enough creativity up in the IMs to score and create chances and he's got to improve next season there's got to be improvements because I know what the Stoke fans are like if he carries on the way he's going he won't see Christmas if, if he carries on the way the we've ended the in. season with the fans back in no. because the thing is I think, I think the fans will give Stoke the benefit of the doubt for a few months because we haven't watched any football for so long but I think if it's bad enough it'll turn and it'll turn fast so what's your mark? I'm going to be generous and give him a six only because he's given these young lads a chance and I think they've done really well and it's nice to see so that's my my look on it really right right what about you Ange? well I think you're both wrong <laughs> okay, I'm, think, wrong. Yeah, I'm um, never wrong <laughs> I think I you're think O'Neill's done a brilliant job at the football club he kept us up there's no doubt he kept us up but you can't live on that but I also think given the injuries we had given the fact that he used the youth I would give him a 7 the one thing I can't understand about Michael O'Neill is he was the one of the, one of the ones that was so vocal about having more substitutes and he hardly ever used yeah, them no, yeah that never made any so, sense so that was, that's the bit that I couldn't but then of course he'll turn around and say well because they're only on the bench to make up the numbers they're not ready to play but um, it's a 7 for me and I'm hoping we get a 10 off him next season as well yeah, that's very positive, Ange. Very positive. I think you like Michael O'Neill. Does he make you a nice coffee, or is he? Uh, listen, let me just tell you, Michael O'Neill's <laughs> never made me a drink in his life. And the only time I, the only time I speak to him is at press conferences. But I do think of all the managers we've had, he's one of the most honest. And um, I, I, he never, do, he never shirks a question. He doesn't like some of the questions. He never shirks them. He always answers them. I think as honestly as he's able to, because there's certainly some things he can't say um, um, you know doesn't want to say but I rate him as a manager and um, I, I wish him all the best at the football club and let's be honest you wouldn't have made you a tea you would have made you a Guinness and a whiskey let's be honest yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, right so now we'll go into player of the season your top three um, I'm first going to go in with uh, Joe Bergey. I know a lot of people are going to be shocked at that, but I think for when he came in and the straight clean sheets he had at the time, I think he's such a good young player and he's one I really highly rate. Um, it was close between him and Nathan Collins for me, but I just think that there's something special there and he's come through and really impressed me. Um, second's going to be Harry Suti, because to be honest, he, he has just been pipped, but I think for a first breakthrough season I think it's absolutely amazing how he's come in because he's made Danny Batt and James Chester look like League, League One players the way he's come through he's been absolutely brilliant Harry Super since he's come through the door and obviously my player of the year same as Stoke and the Stoke fans around is Nick Powell I think this season he's been absolutely fantastic and the first thing they've got to do of any business is get him down on a two three year contract that's got to be priority. He scored the most goals. He's been the most impractical. And the fact is, he reminds me of Fully in many ways because 
he goes missing so often but then he'll come in and score a goal and that's what you need at this level you need a man that can just come out of nowhere and bang a goal in important games and he does it so for me easily player of the season yeah, this year he is easily man yeah so he was, he was your three I'm going to go Suter for the same sort of reasons for his impact and I'm going to say Fletch now I know he's had his injury problems but I tell you what we'd have been a lot further than that table if it weren't for his goals at times especially early on as soon as we lost Tyrese, we we literally had one striker because Brown wasn't hitting the ground running at that point. Yeah, yeah. So at key parts in the in the season, we needed Fletch, and I think he did well. Um, Powell's been night and day for me compared to last year. Is um, and that's the reason why Premier League clubs have looked at him. Um, to me, he could we could build a team around Nick Powell at the moment. Yeah, but that's what we've got that, to do. That's that's what's crossed my mind. I know there's other honourable mentions, but Powell stands out for me. He's, he's he's run games on his own at times. Yeah. When we've had no creative edge whatsoever, Powell's done it on his own, um, and he's easily player of the season. I think he'd be a lot of people's player of the season. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Andy? Well, I'd have joint third spot. I'd have um, Collins and Bursic in third spot if I could. If I had to pick one, I'd pick Collins. I'd have Harry Suter in second spot. And uh, Nick Powell's got to be the the first first spot without a doubt. Yeah, he's got you've got to get him down on a new contract, Danny. That's got to be priority. Yeah, without a doubt. And if you're talking about uh, players of the season, if you think about last year's player of the season being James McLean and how the how that's gone completely um, wrong, uh, that sort of sums up the Stoke season, doesn't it? A, a guy that um, seemed to always wear his heart on his sleeve when he played for us and now all of a sudden um, things seem to have gone wrong and that's just an indication I think of professional football To be honest with James McLean he'd actually he's gone literally from hero to zero for me if I was doing a bottom three list he'd be third bottom But Klukas was our player of the season Yeah because Klukas personally was our player of the season last year I thought he was brilliant last year but to be honest, what a tail off he's had as well. It's been a tale of last season's best players have now spent some of the worst yeah. Yeah. Of, of the season, yeah. which is I frightening. Mean, to be fair to Klukas, the last couple of matches he looked much better, but um, he's been he's had injuries. I, I don't think he'll be with us next season. Yeah, no, I think he'll be getting Blackburn by the looks of it. The rumours are coming through. And normally with rumours, I know everyone says rumours are rumours, but when they keep repeating, it normally means there's, it, it's, there's something in there. Right, so that's another episode done, another one for the end of the season. We want to thank you, Ange, for coming on. It's a pleasure. Can I just say one more thing? that um, Supporters' elections take place before the start of the season, and um, I'm quite conscious that uh, we need more diversity on the council. I'm not just talking about people of colour, I'm talking about all age ranges, uh, male and female, because I think we should be more... Uh, reflective of the supporters fan base so if there's anybody out there listening to this podcast who we haven't sent to sleep yet or bored rigid yeah. if you'd like to uh, if you'd like to stand for election keep your eyes on the supporters council and the Stoke website because it's a it's a great thing to do yeah I, I'm still thinking about doing it this year as well I'm, I'm well thinking maybe it's not such a great thing to do though for certain people you're just terrified I'll make your job that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> Just terrified I'll become the new head, head top boy, that's what it is. <laughs> Just coming in and listening to people going, you're talking nonsense, right, let's start again. Yeah, and you'd have to speak to the person whose name you don't want to use. Oh, God, uh.
Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to hold a lot back. <laughs> to him. Right, so thanks, sir, and thanks for coming no, on the pod. Thank you very much, and have a lovely summer. Yeah, let's let's all hope that next season's going to be good. Let's hope it's a ten, like you say. Thanks for being involved, Ange. You've been on a few times this season. Hopefully, next season we'll get you on it a few times more as well. Yeah, look forward to it. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for that. Turn up, turn up. Cheers, bye. So, great guests for the end of the season. That is good insight, telling us all bits and bobs from inside the club. An experienced Eddie who knows what they're on about. Yeah. Unlike, unlike us, me apparently. He always tells you off every time. I know, every time. Can't yeah. believe it. Well, so if you've enjoyed it, thanks for listening. If you can give us a five star review, we'd be very happy about that. We're on all podcast platforms. Just go on, type in the Potters Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you'll find us. Join and have your say on there. We've got a group called The Potters. Get yourself on there too. Just It's just one question. Who's your favourite player? If you put, I don't know, Nicholas Bednick, you get kicked off. If you put Mark Steen, you get accepted. It's it's quite easy. Not for everybody. <laughs> no, not for everybody. This morning I got, what's it called, Yori Lippmann. I was like, no. <laughs> so basically, it's been a tough season for most of us. It's not been easy at the end, as we all know. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. Ta-ra. Ta-ra. All the best.